Hey there. Welcome to Magnolia Motherhood. I'm your host, Lizzie Wynn, and I am excited to have you here with me today. If you're new to the podcast, a special warm welcome to you. And if you're a returning listener for the second time, I'm sending you a virtual high five right now. It's fantastic to have you back for another episode. Now, before we dive into today's topic, I want to take a moment to share what Magnolia Motherhood is all about. This podcast is a space where we explore being a mom, being a Christian mom, being a Christian wife, and just being a woman in general. It's a journey of being open and honest and raw. At the end of every segment, I will share with you guys a story that I was sent from someone who is needing encouragement or advice. I truly encourage you guys to help them out with positive comments in the comment section if you're watching from YouTube. If you are on the other end of this though and need advice or encouragement, feel free to find us on Instagram and send us a message. Everything is strictly private and no names are ever given out. You know, I started this podcast because I'm truly passionate about the Lord and motherhood. I believe that we all struggle in some way, shape, or form, and I wanted to create a platform where we could dive deep in this together. During each episode, I'll be your guide through different aspects of motherhood from a Christian standpoint. Whether I'm sharing personal stories, interviewing inspiring guests, or discussing raw truth and pointing you back to the Lord. My aim is to make this time we spend together both enlightening and encouraging. One of the things that sets Magnolia Motherhood apart is our strong sense of community. I encourage you to engage whether it's leaving comments, reaching out via social media, or subscribing to the podcast. Alright, enough about the podcast. Let's get into the good stuff. So today's episode is kind of all over the place. We talk about the Lord, we get personal, and shed some tears along the way. I can't wait to share my thoughts and insights with you, and I hope you find it as engaging as I do. So sit back, relax, and let's embark on this journey together. This is podcast number two. So today, I think we're going to get into a little bit deeper of uh, some topics. I do, however, I want to, at the end of every podcast, I want to um, basically just kind of read off to the public um, of a mom who might be struggling, um, a wife that might be struggling, and I'll put my input in, but I also would love um, if you're following on YouTube to put in the comment section some ways that could help her. That would be how we could start our community together. I told you guys that I wanted to be an encouragement, so this is one of the ways that I thought that would be really good to encourage other moms, other wives, women in general. Um, Let's just build each other up. I, I, so I, I'm also recording a video to post to, to YouTube, but I'm also going to upload this later to all my uh, podcast uh, platforms so that I can get 
uh, I guess the the business aspect of it out so people can have other ways to to view instead of just watching me on YouTube if they don't want to. I would prefer <laughs> people not watch me at all, but I just want to I want to be an encouragement. So hopefully this will help you guys. So I think I'm going to title this uh, message is God's glory on display in your life. Uh, And what I mean by that is, um, you know, do other people see God through you and you? Are you living that daily, daily life um, with the Lord shining through you? Um, And I also want to kind of tackle down like what is a Christian woman's purpose? What does the Bible say our purpose is supposed to be? Um, You know, in the beginning in Genesis, you know, he created Adam and he created Adam's uh, helpmate, which is Eve. Um. And Eve was created to to help to help Adam, and a helper is not exactly an inferior position. We all know that. But in my opinion, I think that if God designed us to be that way, then obviously we're something special because he created all of us in his own image. And in some way, shape or form, we are supposed to help our spouse be there for our spouse, um, encourage our spouse. I can say this week we have been going through a lot of, uh, different storms not just the hurricane outside right now, <laughs> but uh, I've had to send my husband like encouraging Bible verses, encouraging videos, and let me tell you how God works. We are going through uh, like a financial issue with with our mortgage. I won't go into many details, but I will say that it was not. It wasn't our fault. We did everything that we needed to do paperwork-wise. But the, I guess, the the tax office or the, whoever is supposed to (laughs) submit paperwork on mortgages and houses and and, uh, property tax and all that, they did not submit our paperwork. So with that being said, we've had some mortgage issues and some increase in in mortgage and property tax and escrow when we shouldn't have. I know that's just off topic here, but I logged on to TikTok the first time the other day and the first video that popped up was a girl who the first thing that came out of her mouth do you think god's worried about your bills come on now (laughs) come on now so i send that to my husband 
to encourage him and let him know that, you know, God's got us. We are fine. We will be fine. Um, now that we're off topic, <laughs> we'll get back to, to my notes. But when I was in my early 20s, I had a, I think it was an insurance bill coming up. And I was working in school full time. It was nonstop for me. I was working paycheck to paycheck at the time. And I think the bill for my insurance, I I think it was insurance. It was $135. And I was freaking out. I was like, I can't, I can't pay that. I have no bill, no money to my name. I was freaking out. I was praying like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Uh, Please somehow pay for this bill. I've never been behind on my bills before. Um, and so, you know, it was probably the day before the bill was due. I was going to my car, cleaning it out. (laughs) And all of a sudden I went through the glove box. There was an envelope and guys, there was $135 in the envelope. I guess when I first got paid, I put the money aside (laughs) and the way my life was completely hectic, I forgot about it. (laughs) Now, on one hand, yes, I, I, you know, that was me, but on the other hand, it was, it was God, like, you know, because who goes through a glove box? I mean, I was just cleaning it out and decided, well, I probably need to go through my glove box. It's been a while. <laughs> and and there it was. I cried like a baby. And I'm like, I worried and stressed so hard, doubted God, like so much. And there it was, you, you know, so, you know, and there's, there's been other stories and struggles that I had as a young uh, adult, but my husband's weakness is bills being paid on time. And if if anything comes out different or money is a struggle, then he stresses out um, a little bit more than he should. Not to put him on blast, but I'm just saying. <laughs> so I told him, you know, just give it to God and pray. We'll be okay. Um, but let's get back, you know. Let's get back on on the topic, uh, but that's that's one way of of encouraging your husband. I think that our husbands need encouragement. I you know we do too, yes. But the, the husbands are are the ones who you know, and and this is just me speaking from my household. My husband works. Um, every day, uh, the hours vary. He doesn't have set hours. He just has to be there on a certain, at a certain time. And so we never know when he gets home, when he's coming home, it could be anywhere between 430. And that's a good day. That don't happen ever, ever. Um, but between 430 and there's been eight o'clock, eight o'clock at night. Um, so he, 
he does a lot. He gets off work and then he comes home as tired as he is. And mind you, this man gets up at 4 a.m. to go to the gym. He's crazy. (laughs) But he gets off work and then he comes home and he takes care of our son. If there's a, um, if there's laundry that needs to be done that I haven't done, or if I haven't started dinner quite yet, he tackles it all and he helps me. And, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, I think the wife should do it all. If she says stay at home, mom. Yes. Yes. A lot of times I, um, I take care of everything, the child, the laundry, cleaning, dinner, you know, but there are days that are harder than others that sometimes I need help. Um, you know, I run my own, my own business and there's some days where I am in this office all day and I'm trying to entertain an 18 month old running around the house, getting into everything, uh, making sure he's not (laughs) doing anything crazy. And, um, that means that there are things in the house that just have to be put aside for later. So there's nothing wrong with relying on your husband, nothing at all. And I know every household is different, but sometimes women feel guilty if they didn't do a certain thing in the day or they should have been a better wife or better mom and um they feel they feel hopeless sometimes i i know sometimes i do so i don't know about you guys um but i believe that as long as we put god first and we're displaying god's glory for all to see then there's nothing wrong with however we live in our house. There's nothing wrong if the man does the dishes or if the wife takes the trash out. There's, you know, I think that it doesn't matter. As long as we're glorifying God in some way, then who cares? Um, I don't, I don't care about you know, letting other people see inside my home life. Um, because at the end of the day, the only people that matter is my husband and my son. And if I, if I let other people in, then their opinions start to get in my head and I start to worry and get upset. Um, but if I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a Christian and as a Christian mother and wife, then nobody else's opinion should matter. So don't let someone, you know, discourage you. Just live your life, please the Lord, and and make sure you're putting his glory on display. When we're not putting our glory on display, or God's glory on display, um, then it, then it lets people, 
you know, they see, they see you struggle. They see, I don't know. They, that's when they come in and, and they try to judge you. Um, well, you're not doing it right. No, don't let nobody tell you that. I think that as long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then you're fine. Um, let's see. There's no, yeah, right. There's no right or wrong way to be a mom. There's no right or wrong way to be a wife. As long as we're putting God first and putting his glory on display. Because, uh, you know, we have to glorify him. So how would your life be if you didn't put God's glory on display? How would you be if you didn't have God in your life at all? There's a thought. There's a thought. I want you to think about that for a second. I don't think that I would have been able to get through the storms of this life if I didn't have the Lord in it. You know, I see people that don't live for the Lord, and I see them go through different trials and struggles and valleys and I'm like man I wouldn't be able to do that without God um so do others see God through you do others walk by you and they're like hmm there's something different about her you know I don't know what it is but I want that, you know, and a lot of people don't see or don't, well, they don't think that, oh, it's because she's living for the Lord. And it gets their minds going, like, what does she have that I don't? There's, there's an eye opener. Think about it. Um, here's another question. Are we just putting on a front while we're in church? Hmm. Are we, you know, fooling people? I can tell you what, though. You can't fool your preacher. You cannot fool that man of God. I'll tell you what. If you think that you're coming into church... And you live a totally different lifestyle outside of church. Do you think your preacher don't know? Because that man is a man of God and was called by God himself to be a pastor. I believe that the preachers, the men of God like that, they are, they have a a special, <laughs> I don't know what I'm about to say. They have like a special one-way connection with the Lord. Like they know everything. They they know things that we don't think they know. So yeah, I think that preachers know everything. Even when you think they don't. 
you think that you're fooling everybody, but you're not. They know. They know. Especially especially the preacher. He knows. Um, but are, are we, you know, trying to fool somebody at church? And when they ask how things are, is it, oh, we're fine. We're fine. When we're really not. Um, when we shouldn't be going down to the altar, praying, begging God to move in front of our church family. God sent you your church family for a reason. You know, you think those people just, oh, we just go to the same church. No, that's not how it works. My husband and I, um, he's been saved now for, I want to say five years. I may be wrong, but yeah, I think I'm wrong. Uh, Yeah, it's probably been about five years, maybe six But when we started going to this church, the last town that we were were in, he, um, he got saved at that church. And, uh, yes, I did get married out of wedlock. We will touch base on that later on a different podcast. Um, so I had grown up in church my entire life, um, towards the late teenage, early young adult years, I wasn't in church, I wasn't living for the Lord like I should have, and this is me being very vulnerable with you guys, um. I've got friends who could attest to this lifestyle. Um, I had friends try to get me back in church. And there was different areas in my life where I wasn't ready for that because, you know, I dated a guy for on and off for seven years. And... He wasn't in church. He used to go to church, but um, he would rather live his lifestyle without answering to God. Um, so every time me and him broke up, I would run back to church. And I knew where I needed to be. Um, and I would tell myself, okay, this is it. You're not, you're not going to leave church again. Did, you know. This is where you need to be. You know you don't need to be in that relationship. He's not good for you. He doesn't live for the Lord. Um, and I've got friends who could could tell you, like, we try to tell her, you know. Um, but you're young. You don't want to listen to nobody. You think you know it all. I I did find my way back in church. And, um, the whole time that growing up, I thought I was saved, but when I was 18 years old, it was July 31st, I can't remember the year, I could do the math real quick, but I think it was like 
2011, yeah, 2011, 2012, something like that, 2012, um, is when I, I got convicted, and I got saved, um, and even, even then, after I got saved, I didn't live the way I was supposed to, I ran, I ran back in the arms of the boy who I thought I was in love with, and I'm just here to say it's not worth it. Um, the things that you knew now, that you know now, that you wish you knew then, that is the truest statement I've ever heard. And I don't know where this is coming from. Um, I did not have any plans to go into my past like this uh, on this podcast, but um, here we are. <laughs> So I will say that um, I'm tying this in with with church family. I've got I've got church family all over um, Georgia and South Carolina, um, and I'm thankful for the ones that I'm still in contact with. Um. There's one particular lady who I won't mention her name just for privacy reasons. I don't I don't know who's all listening to this. Um <clears throat> but she she saved me and she doesn't even know it. Um I know that she spent many years praying for me when I was being rebellious and didn't listen. Um, I think she lost hope in me at one one point in her time, and I and that's you know that hurts me because I should have never put her feeling like that. Um, I love this lady to death. She has she's done more for me than than I could ever imagine. Um, we don't live close to each other now. And I will say that, like, I regret not being in church and, and uh, learning from her when I had the time. Um, but they, if you're watching YouTube, you can, you can see the, <laughs> the redness, the emotion on my face. Um... <laughs> But I I love her, and I, I thank God for her. We still keep in touch, and whenever we're in her home, up in her hometown, we visit, we go to eat together, and she just blesses my heart. But I, I thank God for her because, you know, the days that I was out being rebellious, she was praying for me. That is why it's so important to have church family. You know, even now, so um, back to like my husband getting saved at the at the church that we were at. Um, that was the first church that we went to and became members of um, as a married couple. Now, we, we did visit other churches um, before we moved there, but it they didn't feel right to us. So we did, we didn't go back. Um, 
So we ended up moving. Um, we got sent to a different area of South Carolina for three years. And man, the church family that we gained from from that area, we visit them as as much as we can. Uh, these these people are rare. Okay, now my husband, we so after three years, we moved to where we are now, and we had our son, and. Then my husband, after we had my, my son, my husband had to leave. And two ladies from the church up there, <laughs> I'll say up there, because it's upper South Carolina. They call it the upstate. I had two ladies from there drive all the way here to where we are now to spend, I think it was three or four days with me. And they, they helped me. Um, my son was not an easy newborn. And maybe that, that's just me, but he cried a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, but besides that, uh, they came down. They helped me. They let me shower. Oh, man, let me tell y'all. <laughs> and they also cooked me food and stored it in the freezer for me to eat later. And I mean, I had this food. I They cooked me so much food. And you know, there's something that I, I don't think I told anybody this. But this is where the raw part comes in. After I had my son, I kind of, and my husband, this is when my husband left, kind of, uh, lost myself. I lost my way. I didn't eat a lot. I didn't take care of myself. And when they made me that food, y'all, I tell you what, they were definitely a godsend. Because there was days where I was like, I'm just not going to eat. And then I remembered, I opened the freezer and there it was. All I had to do was stick it in the microwave and warm it up. And, you know, and it wasn't because I was not going to eat because I wasn't hungry. It was because I just didn't care. Let's just be real here. I did not care to eat. Even though I knew I needed to because I was breastfeeding. I was like, well, if if I can't produce milk, there's always... Um, formula, but I, I was able to breastfeed him for 13 months. Thank God. But y'all, that is why church family is important. And this podcast is like all over the place. And I am sorry for that, but I'm getting emotional because I, there's some pretty amazing people in our lives and it never goes unnoticed. You know, we need to encourage each other, love each other, lift each other up, whether you're church family or not. Um, but, you know, 
if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, obviously eat. <laughs> but no, um, there's just some things that, you know, God will get you through anything, but the people he puts in your life to help you get through those those things are, are important. They matter. Um, you know, but God's glory isn't just the good blessings. They're also the storms that we have to go through. Um, my preacher said it best a few weeks ago in one of his sermons. Sometimes God allows us to go through storms or to be put in the valley because he wants our attention. He wants us to run to him and trust him. And, you know, I've always heard God's a jealous God. But at the same sense, I just think he wants his child to to love him and to uh, depend on him because he gets us through those hard times. You know, you can't just stop praying when life's good. You can't stop reading your Bible because life's good. Um, I'm gonna gonna get raw here for a second. In um, 2021, we went through our first miscarriage, and I was an emotional basket case. Um, we were living in the upstate of South Carolina, and. You know, that's where the church family comes in because they knew we miscarried. They they prayed with me. They loved on me. They sent me food and flowers. Oh, I'm sorry. Um. But we, you know, so I didn't think I was going to get emotional. I apologize. So we, we had our miscarriage and at the time it was the toughest, hardest thing that I have ever faced. And my husband he he got me through it too. My church family got me through it. And the Lord got me through it. Uh, I was mad. I was sad. I was confused. I was um, questioning the Lord. Um, I was praying, you know, the Bible talks about how we're supposed to multiply and I didn't understand why I can't, I 
can't do that. Like my body just failed me. Like, God, you gave me this body to multiply and to be fruitful and to raise up the next generation of Christians. And I can't even, I can't even keep a baby in me. Those were my thought processes. Um, I've got friends who, who are going through the same thing. And, you know, there's a lot of women who go through miscarriages and they feel so alone because nobody talks about it. This is one of those subjects I told you guys I was going to walk through because nobody talks about this. And I am here to talk about it. So, um, we get through this miscarriage and we get to the point where we're ready to try again. And it didn't happen so quickly. I mean, I was getting so discouraged. Um, I would cry every time. I would take a positive pregnancy, or excuse me, I would take a pregnancy test and it wasn't positive and I would cry because I just wanted a baby. And God would just, not now, not right now. So it got to the point where it was becoming kind of obsessive for me. I would make sure I knew when I ovulated. I would make sure I knew when to take a test. Um, and there was one day, my husband, I was venting to my husband and crying to my husband. And he just kind of looked at me and said, what happened to just trusting God? You know, hello. And there it was. I got convicted. He walked out of the room after I was like, okay, you're right. And I got down on my knees and I just prayed by the bed. And I, I asked God to forgive me because, wow, I'm over here, like, not trusting you at all. And so... I told the Lord that I would stop taking pregnancy tests. I would stop worrying about any of it. And I would just fully trust him. I put it in his hands. And I told the Lord. Well, I asked, I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, the next time I get pregnant. Can you please just put a rainbow in the sky for me? And I prayed that a few times. I stayed in my Bible every day. I stayed in my Bible. I grew so close to the Lord. And then again, that's that valley. He puts us in valleys because he wants us to, to come to and run to him. And I was so close to him. Nobody could, could discourage me. Yes, the miscarriage discouraged me. And yes, I would be discouraged because I couldn't get pregnant. But the relationship that I grew with the Lord, I tell y'all what, that is life changing. I remember the day before I found out I was pregnant. Um, we 
were at church and they had a baby dedication service. And my husband couldn't make it that day. Or he, no, I think he made it. He was just out doing the security that day. So I was sitting in the pew by myself and I sat in like the third row, I think it was. And so I'm seeing all these families with their new babies or with their toddlers. And I had tears rolling down my face. And I remember one of my good friends, um, I won't say her name, but she came and sat with me. And this woman, she is an inspiration to me because she can't have kids. And ever since that I, ever since I went through my miscarriage, she, she would pray with me, pray for me. She would um, send me encouraging letters, like cards, and every now and then, like, I would find, like, a, a gift in the pew from her. But she came and sat with me, and she just kind of, like, put her arm around me. Wow. Someone who can't have babies. And she's putting her arm around me. You know, like. And that goes back to that church family, guys. <laughs> oh, this podcast is truly raw today. Um, so when the service was over, she kind of put her arms around me and hugged me and told me she was praying for me. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, why are you praying for me? You can't even have babies. Uh, I remember in my Bible that day, it might have even been in like my notebook, but I, I remember putting the date and then I put the baby dedication. And underneath I said, uh, Lord, I pray that one day I can dedicate my child back to you and y'all I kid you not the next day it had not been raining there was no clouds in the, in the sky nothing to where a rainbow should even appear I walk outside because I have to take the dog out and I just so happened to like look up and there was a rainbow. I kid you not. I even have a picture to prove it. And in my head, I'm like, is this, is this real? Am I pregnant? And then I'm like, I've got to be pregnant. I prayed for this. Why wouldn't God deliver that? You know, you can't doubt him now. My husband's at work, so I'm like, oh, I'll wait. I'll wait. I won't test you. I'll just wait. And so I didn't want to get my hopes up 
But I'm also on the same line, like, oh, we, you're pregnant. You have to trust the Lord. You pray for that. So my husband gets home. And I told him, I said, hey, so do you remember I, how I'm praying for that rainbow? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, what about it? I said, I saw one today. And he was like, really? Are you pregnant? I said, I don't know. I haven't tested yet. <laughs> so we go to the gym and we get home. He gets on the PlayStation and does the whole headphone things with his friends. And I sneak off to the bathroom to take a test. I took two. I just, you know, peed in a cup and dipped them in there because uh, I wanted to make sure. And I saw immediately one said positive and the other had the little cross sign plus sign on it and just immediately started crying. Um, and y'all, I tell you what, I went out there to my husband boohooing and he thought that the, <laughs> he thought that the test was negative because I was crying <laughs> so much. And we waited until we, like, officially announced, like, on Facebook and stuff. But after my eight-week appointment, we told family. But our church family knew right away. Um, and, man, nine months later, there my son was. And i tell y'all what. That storm that I went through to get to to him, to get to get to having my son, the storm was worth it. Um, that little boy in there, you might even be able to hear him through some of these. Um, he's my life. He brings me so much joy. So much laughter. And he's only 18 months. It's like, man. I thank God every day for him. Every day. His health. Uh, his personality. He he brings me so much joy. Um, so... Aside from that, we're going to fast forward a little bit to now. And uh, my husband's dad passed away on our sixth wedding anniversary, June 15th of this year. And... Um, He, he passed away in his sleep. Um, so we got the phone call the next morning. And my husband's family lives in California. So, you know, that time difference. When my mother-in-law was calling my husband that early in the morning, we kind of knew something, something was happening. We just didn't expect to hear that. Um, 
There's my son. <laughs> so, um, we fly to California. And in my head, I'm thinking, man, it would be perfect time to be pregnant. Because I've always heard of stories of where when God takes one, he blesses family with another. And I always would just wanted to be, you know, a, a blessing for our family in some kind of way. Um, so we're, you know, I think we had been there for three days, two days at that point, and uh, we're walking around the store getting like things that we need, and I look at my husband and I say, "Hey, uh, I think I need a pregnancy test." And I, you know. We've been trying for a little while, but I didn't want to like fully just say, hey, you know, I think I'm pregnant. And so he was just like, oh, okay, cool. Like didn't freak out or anything because we had been trying. And so I go back to the hotel and I take the test the next morning. And I was pregnant, said I was, you know, positive and, you know, we were we were excited. Uh, we went ahead and and told his family because we didn't get to tell them in person last time. So we thought it would just be special to just tell them and keep it kind of to ourselves. Um. So I was trying, you know, to eat healthier and and you know do what I could. And, uh, we get back home from California. We announce it to our church family. Our, so we're, we're in a different part of South Carolina now. So we do have a new church family. We've been here for three years. Yeah. So, uh, we announced it to them and everybody, everybody was so excited and happy for us. Um, because we were taking prayer requests and I just raised my hand and, and we have a small church. Um, so we do prayer requests every Wednesday. So I raised my hand and I, I looked at the pastor and I said, I just wanted to thank everybody for their prayers. Um, we did find out that Ken's dad was saved and we also found out that we're going to have a baby. And I kind of got teary-eyed and everybody just, you could just hear everybody around the church, like, just say, like, something, like, or like, oh, like, you know, how people are when you tell them that kind of news. So it was exciting for us. We were um, making future plans. We were going to think about trying to move into a bigger home. Um, we go to the eight week appointment and I can tell there's something different about this ultrasound. They can't get any heartbeat or anything like that on the stomach with the, you know, the jelly. So they do a vaginal ultrasound and you can see a little sack and you can see, uh, something inside it but it does not look like a baby. Um, and you know, when you first go to your eight-week appointment, the um, ultrasound tech, ugh, 
sonographer. I don't know what their correct term, so y'all don't come at me for that. But normally they're all like, oh, here's the baby's head, here's the baby's feet, little bitty baby, nothing. We got nothing. My husband wasn't queuing in on all the little details, so he didn't think anything was wrong. And so the... uh she walked out and let me get dressed. She was like, okay, you can see the doctor or the OB, whatever. Um, but when I was getting dressed, I said to him, something's not right. Um, and so we found out that the baby was measuring two weeks behind. And to, we were supposed to come in in a week to get another ultrasound. So... I was praying and asking the Lord for a baby and a healthy baby. Um, that whole week I was just like, Lord, please, you know, just please let us not go down this road again. And so we go back and the sack is still there, but there's nothing in there. So they um, they termed it the uh, blighted ovum, and that's just another fancy techno uh, technical word for we aren't sure what happened. It's kind of like there was something there, but it kind of vanished. The body is a mysterious thing. So now we're here. I'm trying not to get like I was last time, but we were also told after blood work was done that there's a chance we might not be able to have any more babies because of a hormone um, that is on the low end and it's not at the number that it needs to be. So I... You know, we went back to our church the following Wednesday and we told the church what happened. And our preacher, he said to me, well, God has the ultimate say-so. So just keep your head up and keep praying. And he said, we will pray too. Um... I remember going down to the altar one day as uh, the girls were singing and I was just crying my eyes out and I think like five ladies just came and wrapped their arms around me and prayed over me and this ties back into church family is important. These women, you know, I don't, I haven't known them that long. Three years isn't really long, but these women in this church, they are selfless. They're going through their own storms in this life, and here they are praying over me. I told the Lord that I know 
I know I'm in the valley. And I, I know. But I told the Lord, I know he's over on the other side waiting on me. And just, I told him I'm coming. I'm on my way. So I'm just praying that, you know, we we get good news soon. Um, but until then, I'm just going to stay faithful, be open about it with you guys. And um, even in the valley, God is good. He woke me up this morning. He woke my husband and my son up this morning. There's a hurricane going on right now, and our house is still here. Our roof is still over our head. God's still good. God is still good. Are you putting God's glory on display while you're in your valley? Okay, let's change it up some. So I told you guys at the end of every podcast, I wanted to talk about um, something that somebody has submitted in. Um, I'm going to read you the... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you and I made sure I, I had permission to do this. Um so I'm gonna read you a a woman's um struggle right now and I want to have you guys put in the comments, um, if you watch on YouTube, some encouragement for her as well. Um so here we go. Hey guys, I am a young mama to two little boys, two years and four months old. My two-year-old is driving me crazy ever since his second birthday, and especially since his brother has been born. He can be so cute and talk a lot of cute things, but on the other hand, he constantly hurts his little brother, who is a very calm baby so that I have lots of time for my oldest. Uh, testing out his limits and throwing tantrums like crazy. Some days I can handle it well, I would say, and on the other days I'm getting so emotional every time he does something. My husband and I want to be good examples to our kids, but I often find myself being very loud or harsh to him. It makes me so sad. Sometimes I really feel like I have no clue what I'm doing and I feel very helpless. I know that two-year-olds can be very difficult to handle, but I don't want to just get over the stage of life, but I actually enjoy it. Any tips or encouragement for me? So, I I did talk with her, and, you know, I don't have two kids. I have one, um, and my, my one kid, <laughs> he makes me feel the same way sometimes. Um, being a mom is hard. Um... And during it, during the day when your husband's at work, it's harder. You have no help. Um, the kids are going crazy. Um, they're at that stage where they're trying to adventure out and figure out life and uh, see what this does or see how I can test my mom's patience this way. Um, I have a son who tests me on the daily, so I, I get it. Um, a lot of nights I feel so overwhelmed. Um, because I feel like a bad mom myself and 
I'm over there like praying and asking the Lord to just help me and um, to help me do better the next day and the next day and the next day. Um, I try to remember that he's just a baby, just a child, and that I need to be more patient with him. Um, oftentimes, I just quickly get humbled because um, when I'm trying to be patient with my son, like the, the thought pops into my head, like, I wonder if God's ever felt impatient with me when he's trying to, to teach me something or when I'm doing something that he's wanted me to do and I'm over here like just lollygagging around. But it's okay to be frustrated. It's hard. It's hard being a mama. Um, it's, it's easy to, to get, to get frustrated. Um, so just, you know, keep your head up. If anybody out there that has, uh, two kids, especially two under two, please reach out and, um, help this mama, give her some encouragement, but, uh, I'm going to wrap it up from here. Thank you guys for episode two. I look forward to the next one.